fighting. Plantagenet by Mike Walker. Richard II. And all our dreams will end in death. With Patrick Kennedy as Richard II and Blake Ritson as Henry Bolingbroke. My grandfather was the greatest king England ever had. My father was the greatest king England never had. My mother was the most beautiful woman in Europe. Where on earth do you go from there? Well, I invented the handkerchief. Not a small thing, believe me. Manners, you see. Good manners mean you don't leave snot on the floor. In court, everywhere. When I was a boy and my father took me to see Grandfather at a state occasion, I used to laugh when some great lord slid across the marble and went flat on his back. The king, the courtiers, they all thought it was really funny. Oh, look, Sir William de Bone fell on his ass. Ha, 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 ha. That's what they thought. Sometimes I wish I'd been French. Let me tell you how it was, then. And to do that, I need to tell you about the war and France. You see, they went together. Had done forever, really. But after the first Edward, my great-great-grandfather, things simmered down a bit. Uneasy truce. Then, after the second Edward died, and the third Edward took the throne, there was a crisis in France over the succession, and Grandfather Edward thought he should be king. And off he went with an army and my father, the Black Prince, to Cressy. Triumph of... English tactics, courage and honour. Now listen, all of you! The French have us by the balls! But as long as we hold steady and our archers keep up regular fire, we can come through this! No plundering of the wounded on the battlefield. Afterward, fine, but any man who stops fighting is going to stop living. I guarantee it. Now, get a good night's rest. The French attack with the dawn. So it's an early start. Early start! Early finish! <laughs> what are they cheering about over there? We outnumber them three to one. Come the morning, come our revenge. The army will stop for the night. Ensure each man gets a proper meal and the chance to hear mass, also. As you order, Majesty, it shall be done. Hold up! Hold up! It's a big army, Father. The French are fighting old wars with old methods. The longbow and the cannon are going to change everything for us. I can see that, but... Shouldn't they be stopping? What? The French. They're still advancing. They can't be. They can't. What is he up to? It's madness, fighting after a day's march with the sun in your eyes. Looks like that's what they intend, Father. Then let's get off our asses and do something! Captains! Trumpeters! Sound general alarm! Sergeants to your division! Alonso! Why aren't they stopping? They can't. The momentum, the mass of men. They can't slow down or turn back without getting trampled by those coming on. In the behind. name of God, they'll be slaughtered. They must hold. Not even God can stop them now. Then we attack. Send the crossbowmen through first, and by Saint Denis we shall gain the day or the night. 
Steady, lads. Steady. Wait till they load. Now! Fire when they charge, Sergeant. If nothing else, it'll terrify their horses. Don't know about the horses. They terrify me, sir. Now! Gunners! Prepare to fire! Here they come! Majesty, you must go now! Is there nothing to be done, Alonso? In the dark! With no moon, we can't even see our enemy! If we retreat now, we can fight another day! Then so be it. Sound the recall! And let every man look to himself! Ten thousand Frenchmen died that night. You might say it was the victory of chance over error. Yes, the archers made a difference. The French had never experienced anything like them before. But mostly it was a tired, disorganized army blundering into a rested, tightly controlled force in a good defensive position. Oh, my stars. Look at those jewels. But victory wasn't just about glory. If they ain't rubies, my name ain't Dickon. Boys, we're all going to be as rich as kings. That was all before I was born. As for my childhood, well, they'd married for love, my father and mother. How often does that happen in this world? Of course, my mother had married for love before, twice. First time when she was 11, but neither of them was going to be King of England. So you could say she was ambitious. I remember at the joust, some joust, there were so many, saying to mother, Papa is the best knight in the world, isn't he, Mama? Of course he is, my sweet. The bravest and the best of them all. Look at how he rides. Look at him, Richard. Look at his bearing. He rides like a king-to-be. He rides like a conqueror. He's our champion, Richard. He's England's champion. And I said, does he kill people? Of course. But isn't killing bad? Simon Burley said we should forgive our enemies. Simon was my tutor, and he did, and I was a boy, and I really thought killing people was bad. Well, you see, Richard, that's for the ordinary people. But kings and princes are different. Now, here he comes. Our champion. That's my father, the Black Prince. Madam, to you I present the trophies of the joust. Do with them as you will. Sir, I give them liberty as brave and honourable knights. Your knights. Well said, lady. <sighs> Hello, lad. What fun, eh? Yes, father, I said. You were the best of all. That's what we do, boy. We're the best. We rule. Won't be long before you start your training. Bet you can't wait to strap on a sword and get a frisky mare between your thighs. <laughs> Sir, you are forward. Not as forward as I'm going to be tonight, sweeting. <laughs> That was the sort of thing they laughed at. Still do, for all I've tried to change things. Even Chaucer does it. Swiving jokes, arse jokes, fart jokes. What is funny about a fart? Anyway, I grew up in Aquitaine. My father had taken it from the King of the French, and it was full of light and colour and music, and sometimes I thought that music and colour and light were better than war and conquest and killing. 
But I didn't say anything because I was a child and I had to learn how to be a king. My father's last great battle was at the Siege of Limoges. He was already ill by then. The Black Prince, the great hero of the world, had been struck down by some sickness of the body or soul. He was carried on his litter, his brother beside him. Oh, yes, my uncle John. John of Gaunt, he was there. He was everywhere. Still no surrender. We've sent word, but the bishop says no. He was supposed to be my bishop, John. I made him Richard's bloody godfather and paid him enough. Tricky bastards, these bishops, brother. Never let him out of your sight, I say. Well, this one can go to the devil. As soon as I get my hands on him. Not that these hands are worth much. Easy, brother. You'll get better in time. Time I don't have, John. The sappers have undermined the walls near the east gate. We're ready to torch the props on your command. on us. You have our six, Bishop. I offered you quarter. You chose not to take it. Now, I choose not to give it. Kill them all. All, brother. From the oldest man to the newest baby. All. He died soon after, the Black Prince, the flower of the chivalry of England, at night, without reproach. And my mother got fat, and my grandfather had a miserable, lonely old age with a grasping mistress everyone hated, and the new French King Charles took back all the land we had won, and the Black Death took back half the people in Europe. And then my grandfather died, tired and alone. Really, there was one priest sitting beside him and that was it. The greatest king England ever had had one miserable monk praying as he went to glory. Oh, they gave him a wonderful funeral. And I was king. Only, of course, I wasn't. I was too young, so there was a council. My uncles, John of Gaunt. France is feeling her power. She's taken back most of what great Edward won. Now she has hungry eyes for England. Uncle Gloucester. Kicked their bloody French asses. Who always had a lot to say. The French are raiding the south coast towns daily. We cannot put up with this. And my Chancellor, de la Pole. Agreed, my lord, but can we afford war? Self-made man. Brilliant and ambitious. Oh, you would say that, Pole. I say we can't not afford war. £50,000 a year for those garrisons we still have. Crown jewels in hock to the bankers. What do you suggest? We know the French. We know their aims. If we don't face them over there, we shall assuredly have to face them over here. Then, the only solution is to tax the people. The people are taxed. Then tax them harder, man. A head tax on every soul in the country. Set at? Fourpence. <laughs> That's ruinous. They'll never stand for it. Then let them lie for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll call it a poll tax, so you get the blame. <laughs> My lord, the people will know exactly who to blame. Your brother Gaunt is already the most unpopular man in the nation. 
I think he seeks to become king. Let him who believes it say it to my face. Can you fight a nation? I can fight the French, and may I remind you, the bloody Scots who have allied themselves to their cher cousin. Mm. We need action this day. I say we take this measure to Parliament and ask them to vote. Agreed. I don't like it. But we must present a united front. Agreed. Paul Taxidus. More taxes. What did they think would happen? Our bondage or servitude came in by the unjust oppression of bad men. Think on this, brothers and sisters. When Adam delved and Eve span, who was then the gentleman? Gaunt was in the north fighting when the revolt happened. I was in the tower with my cousin, Henry. Look, smoke. They're setting the city on fire. Actually, Henry, I think it's your dad's palace at the Savoy. My God! We should ride out and ride them down. The bastards. Who do they think they are? Overtaxed Englishmen. Oh, come on. Stop being so reasonable, Richard. Don't you want to get out there with a sword in your hand and cut a few heads off? It's the only thing they understand, you know. Force. My father would say it. Your father would say it. But the mob just melts away. They know the land, Henry. It's their land. Be buggered. It's our land. They say they work it all their lives for very little reward. You don't agree with them. They're rebels and scum, but they're still Englishmen. And all the things we want to do, fight wars and build cathedrals... I never wanted to build a cathedral. They're paying for it. Sometimes I just don't understand you, Richard. And the people were happy enough to go to France with your father and rob them blind and shag their wives and daughters. I can see that, Henry, but I can also see that I don't have an army behind me. You've got me, Richard. I know. And I promise they will... Or at least their leaders will pay for this because no king can allow the people to tell him what to do. My father taught me that. If you're king, be king. But the council won't let you be king. They the say... The council got us into this mess. I say maybe this is the moment when I show them all what I can do. Are you with me, Henry? I need you. Of course, Your Majesty. I wouldn't be anywhere else. My lord, this is not advisable. Are you the king's advisor or the Lord Mayor, Walworth? You know what I am, sir. Then be mayor and not an advisor. The king knows what he's doing. Don't you? Of course. I'm riding a horse whilst trying very, very hard not to crap myself. <laughs> That's the spirit, Richard. Give him hell. Fire! That was Henry Bolingbroke all over. He thought I was joking. I wasn't. I had met the rebels twice and promised to listen with sympathy to their requests. Actually, I'd had no choice. Sometimes it seemed as if they were beyond any common sense at all. Their leaders, Jack Straw, the priest, John Ball, and above all, Watt Tyler, had only to say the word, and I think they'd have stormed heaven itself. The city was in flames. I agreed to meet with Tyler face to face at Smithfields. Before we set off, I went to church and prayed as I had never prayed before. Oh, Lord. You know I'm not... I mean, I don't... I don't know what's going to happen today. And whatever happens, my soul is in your hands. And please help me to be the king who can bring peace to this nation. And give me the strength to be firm if I must. And merciful if I can, and... 
Just please, help me get through today and tomorrow we'll see. We'll see. Look at them. Bloody rabble. Pray God the wind changes before we all choke. Sire, I really think you should allow your escort to go forward first. Lord Mayor, if you saw armed men, would you want to talk? I think it best if you ride over to them. Me? You look fairly harmless. And ask this man Tyler to come forward. But your majesty... Go on, Woolworth, earn your money. He's wearing armour under his robes. Let's hope he doesn't need it. A silence fell. It was like the dead of night, but the sun was out, low in the west. Our shadows fell long across the stones, as black as ravens and as ominous. I could smell wet straw burning, and there was a column of smoke rising up, like something solid, into the evening sky. And a child crying, and birds circling overhead. Then, from out of the crowd, he appeared, riding on a small brown horse, Watt Tyler. At that moment, the most powerful man in England. He came forward, confidently, as if he was the king, and I and the rest of us. His face was lined. He was a man of the fields, as we were men of the court. Well, are we to be sitting here all day, getting hard asses and no answers? Shake my hand. Stay back. No, Henry, it's all right. Tyler, I will shake your hand. And be easy, brother. For in a fortnight you'll have 40,000 good friends, common men of England by your side. Then why won't you go back to your villages and fields? By God's holy heart, brother, you ask me that? We have not come on our knees. We want a charter of rights for every man to stand on his own two feet on his own earth. And then? Oh, you know what we want. An end to serfdom. Aye, and an end to lordship, too. God never made this world so one man could stamp on the face of another by right. A few less bishops. I'd say a good few, but the buggers wouldn't know what good meant if it gobbed in their faces. And church lands turned over to the people. But above all, no poll tax. Tyler, you will have all I can fairly grant. But now, you and your people must go back to your villages. It's hot. I need water. Tell them to bring me water. Someone. We stood facing each other, waiting, whilst they found water. I didn't know what was going to happen. No one did. But everyone expected blood. Better? All right, you've had your drink. Now do as the king tells you. Go home. Are you the king, boy? Are you? If I say the word... Enough! Mayor Woolworth, escort Tyler back to his people so he can tell them to disperse. Very well, sir. Tyler, come. Take your hands off me. No man touches me. You're no more than a thief. Hold back. Damn you, Tyler. Knives flashed, blood on the stones. Tyler's blood, black as pitch. Woolworth's knife. Form a defensive ring. Tyler rode back towards his people. I saw him against the low sun, red and gold now, 
I saw his figure become lost in the brightness, as if indeed he were being taken up. I blinked, turned my head away, and when I looked again, the saddle was empty, and he lay, bleeding his life out onto the stones. A silence fell for the second time that day, but this one, full of anger, as if some child of wrath was ready to be born, howling for blood and revenge. The crowd shivered, began to groan. I rode forward. You can't, sire! Come on! Keep it tight! It was the longest, hardest ride I had ever taken, until the last that leads me to heaven. And for all I knew, I was heaven-bound that day. Thousands of faces staring at me, in anger, pain, uncertainty. A blackbird, wounded, one wing broken, was flopping on the cobbles. Where had it come from? What did it mean? Englishman! You need no captain but me. I am Richard. I am your king. Follow me, and you will have what you desire. over. Oh, it took months before everything was quiet and those who had to be punished were punished, but mostly people went home and they got on with their lives. Nothing changed. How could it? The way things are has been ordained by God. But for me, over the next year, I began to see my own way forward. And as the anniversary of Tyler's death came round and went round peacefully, I changed. Anne of Bohemia. I got married. I will. I will. And? They told me England would be cold and full of bears. Well, I, I think there are bears in Scotland, or maybe Ireland, but uh, you can see it isn't cold. Or maybe they meant boars. We have boars. We hunt them. In Germany, we have to listen to them in church every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we could hunt your boars and listen to ours, although ours probably taste better than yours. I should hate to eat a bishop. I'm sure I would get indigestion. <laughs> now, you see, they told me that no one from Germany has a sense of humour. And they told me the food would be terrible and uneatable. But you like jokes. And you serve me delicious food. Well, they weren't all wrong. To be honest, most Englishmen just want it red and roasted and lots of it. But that doesn't have to be the way it is. I care how food tastes and how it looks. They all think I'm completely mad. My friend Henry says uh, it ends up in the same place, so why worry? But that's wrong. I think so too, Richard. Otherwise, why marry a handsome husband? Or a beautiful wife. <laughs> and there's another thing. Beards. <laughs> I hate beards. I've always hated beards. Horrible, scratchy things. My feeling is exactly no beard. I am literally the only man I know who doesn't have one. Does that make me less of a man? <laughs> Anyone who thinks so may take a lesson from me. You are my perfect knight. You know, when I was a little girl, I used to dream of Parsifal. 
Do you know it? I love Parsifal. I love books and, and pictures and music and, and pageantry. As much as I love you, Anne. You see, they don't read a lot here. They don't, to be honest, really think about things a lot. They just go ahead and generally hit it or plunder it. But there has to be a better way. What is wrong with peace? That's right, Anne. With peace comes everything that most Englishmen don't value. We're so much better than an armoured fist smashing into someone's face. Well, you are the king. Yes. Yes, I really am the king. I showed that at Smithfield's. Then show your people. Could I? That day I felt my father in me, his strength and certainty. But it wasn't the Black Prince who rode out and did it. He'd have probably killed them all. I know that's what Henry wanted to do. But I was different. No one had ever done that before, Anne. Talked to those people and taken them out of harm's way. But I have no party. At dinner, when I have no... Oh, what do you call it we ate last night? Macaroni cheese. So, if I have no cheese macaroni, I make my cheese macaroni. <laughs> if John of Gaunt and Gloucester, my uncles, had their party, I would have mine. My old tutor and friend, Simon Burley. Richard, it's time. And my new friend, Robert de Vere. It's past time. You've proved yourself in the only theatre these men respect. You are a man of action. And my sometime friend, Henry Bolingbroke. Well, not exactly. With all respect, it was splendid, Richard. But it wasn't action. I didn't notice you doing anything, Henry. They say you were wearing armour under your robes. That was Woolworth de Vere. A true knight would never stoop to concealment. Oh, but then, of course, you wouldn't know, would you? Now, now, oh. lads, let's not beat each other's throats. We're here as the King's friends. Well, are we? Well, you've known me as long as you've known Simon Burley here. I seem to remember he beat us both on occasion. <laughs> Only when you deserved it, Henry. And as Bolingbroke was kind enough to point out, Simon and I depend upon your majesty. We neither of us have great wealth or land of our own. What we are flows from you, Richard. We are your men. Henry? I've always thought of myself as my own man first, but, of course, the king's man too, as are we all. And yet it's no secret your father Gaunt's the most unpopular man in England. Have a or you will be the deadest man in England. You know, I think it's time we stop settling everything by denting armour. There has to be a better way forward than war. Really? I've never heard of one. Besides, it's fun. Well, there is art and music <laughs> and romances and poems and architecture. A nation can express itself through all of those things. Henry. You say so, Richard, but... The arts of love. I hunt the two-backed beast of there. I don't romance it. You sound like a maiden. I'm sure His Majesty knows as well as you do, my Lord Bolingbroke, when to apply the sword and when the softer arts. I'm sure he does. And is it unusual that a man recently married should think a little on the gentler arts? Yes. My advice, Richard, is to give a wench a damn good... What? What? Henry, because we are old friends, and because I permit a degree of intimacy between us, it does not mean we are equals. I am the king, and you are my subject. I will have respect. Anne of Bohemia is a beautiful, exceptional young woman, and my queen. And her father is stony broke and sold her for what he could get. I mean, you did pay his debts. It was a loan. It was a sale! 
And in my book... My lord, Henry, don't. That makes him a pimp. Why did you do that? Do what? You know what you said. I did nothing except speak plainly as, as we were taught. Yes, when we were children. But this is a different world and there are different rules. In my world, a man rules because he has the bollocks to do. And manners? Where do they stand in your world? Manners. Perhaps, Henry, there is some important business to which you must attend. Is there, Burley? Now, my lord... Yes, if his majesty will be kind enough to excuse me. You are excused. Henry. Look, maybe I was clumsy, but... You are my friend. We are friends. Of course. As you command. I hope I was not the cause. No, Henry was always like a spark to gunpowder. It runs in the family. They say the first Plantagenet was the devil's daughter, and old Henry used to chew the carpets in his rages. <laughs> That's enough of squabbles. Now, both of you, we have government strategy to work out. <clears throat> we can call on Pole. Certainly. One of the most capable men in England. And like us, with no great fortune of his own. No influence. Ability means a lot, Richard. Not without birth or estate, it doesn't. Not in this country. I've ruled as a child long enough. If I'm going to be the king and make peace with France... And I need a party with clout. Peace. I don't like the sound of that word. Agreed, Gaunt. It has no place in this council. I beg to disagree, my lord. Well, Master Paul, you may disagree. By the King's grace, I am made Earl of Sussex. I wish you would respect that. I'm sure you do. Just because my nephew... Your nephew is the King! Show respect for that, if nothing else, my lord. You are not invulnerable. No man is. You should remember it. My lords. Gloucester, I heard your last words. Would you care to apologise? To a jumped-up clerk? The king, uncle. Now, here. I am waiting. Very well. I offer my apologies to you. To your highness. Let's have some decent manners in this court, shall we? I apologise to your highness. Thank you. I know I can count on you and the other members of my council to push forward the king's policy of peace with France. My Lord Sussex. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Chance and weather have meant French invasion plans have come to less than nothing. Harvests are good. The country is quiet. And I have no need to remind this council of the role played by the king in the late revolt. It's true, the king showed his mettle that day. I at least will not forget. Thank you for that, Gaunt. Tax revenues are healthy. If we don't use the money in war, then the nation as a whole can benefit. Some say the king's favourites can benefit. Yes, De Vere becomes Duke of Ireland. What is that? <laughs> a powerful voice on my side, uncle when he is appointed to this council, along with Sir Simon Burley. Placemen, Richard, do not make a council. And insolence does not make wit, uncle. The great lords may think they make policy in England, but they had better think again. Am I clear? Overwhelmingly, sir. Listen to me, Your Majesty. France is our natural enemy. A nation without a decent war is weak, pale, yeah. womanly, yeah. unhealthy, and you simply can't trust the French. Yeah. So... You do not agree, uncles both. We do oh, we not. cannot. Then this council need trouble you no further. You may leave. What? <laughs> you... The king is dismissing you, my lords. You're running mad, boy. 
You're running mad, your majesty. The royal dukes are leaving. And they went? Not happily, but they went. I'm going to bring back some of my father's ministers. Won't they be for war? I think they'll be for the king. And with Burley and De Vere and a council led by Pole as chancellor, we have a good chance of convincing the French we're serious about peace. It will mean giving up land. Nothing's gained for nothing. And your uncles? No one likes losing what they thought was theirs for good. Or evil. Won't they... Object, of course. But I think they'll come to see things my way. The sensible way. I hope so, my love. At first, it seemed as if it was going to be easy. There was a military expedition to Scotland that came to nothing. Two armies wandering around in the rain, missing each other and going home wet. It came down to diplomacy, as, in the end, it always must. France was not so simple to settle, but I knew I could put treaties in place that would save lives and money. There was so much we could learn from our cousins, so much, though few Englishmen would ever admit it. What did I want? I wanted my court to be the most splendid and cultured in Europe. And we were on the way. Men of learning were no longer going abroad. They were bringing their talents and their work to my court. John Gower, Geoffrey Chaucer. I encouraged these men. And others, too. You can't have two balls in a thicket. Burley's right. They'll fight. One will destroy the other. That goes without question. So the only question is... Who destroys whom? Well put, sir. The young boar and the old boar. Who strikes first wins, De Vere. Who has the courage to strike first? And yet there is the law. And yet there is the king, and he must stand supreme. Exactly, De Vere. The king is no one's delegate. There is no one above him except God. John of Gaunt is my uncle. It wouldn't be the first time in history. Every time we make a step forward, there he is, tripping us, putting obstacles in our way. He's the most powerful man in England. But I am the king. Exactly. His presence is a constant danger to you and all you hope to accomplish. It's a problem that cannot be ignored. This boar must be hunted down. But aren't we forgetting something here? Majesty? What exactly are you doing here, Uncle Gloucester? I believe you were dismissed by the council. I'm just trying to save the bloody country, Your Majesty. We have opened negotiations with the French. There is no risk of invasion. Not from the bloody French. Show proper respect, my lord. You're beginning to get on my nerves, Paul. Richard, people are discontented. Not so. They see the extravagance of the royal court. Money wasted. On building. On feasting. On music. On unmanly diversions like reading romances on absurd pointy shoes. They don't like it. Oh, please, Uncle. They have no say in it. You mean you don't like it? Well, cousin, I don't like it that you plotted to have my father assassinated. That's a lie. And, Henry, you are not part of this council. You have no voice here. Maybe not your order, Richard, but it was your people. Tell me you didn't intend to have him arrested at the Worcester Parliament. Can you look me in the eye and say it? I am the king. I do not have to submit to these questions, particularly from the son of the most unpopular man in England. If I had him arrested, people would cheer. My father's abroad. He's not a fool, Your Majesty. In fact, he's probably the man most fitted to manage the affairs of this country. I'll hear no more of this, Henry. It's treachery. Oh, listen to me, Richard. Choose your words today carefully, sir, because they may hang you tomorrow. Just listen! My father could have taken the throne a dozen times. No one would have hated him any more because of it. But he didn't. 
He's loyal. He's against me, as are you, and Gloucester, and the rest of them. Well, you're not wrong there, Your Majesty. I am against extravagance, waste, frippery, and the promotion of unworthy men like De Vere and Burley and the Earl of Oxford here. You say that because you believe you and your kind have a right to run the country. That is not so. The king is at the head. What you object to is not his extravagance or favourites, it's his power. I can't hear you. I can't hear anything. Do you know why? Because I'm not listening to anything. Nobody is talking. There are no words. Paul is my chief minister. I will not have you being disrespectful to him. You'll apologise, Gloucester, or I'll have your tongue pulled out with white-hot tongues. You'll get your people to do it, will you? Richard, listen. I've listened to enough treason. You're not a soldier. Uh, what is it now? You, you get your sword out and kill someone. But if you were, you would know that the clever general doesn't arrive on the battlefield without troops, supplies and a strategy. Bolingbroke, what have you done? Oh, you should love this. It's very continental. What are you babbling about? They didn't like the Pope over there, so what did they do? They set up a Pope of their own in Avignon, yes? You threw us out of your council. So what did we do? We set up another, the Lord's Appellant. We summoned Parliament to warn them of your attempts to undermine their authority. We feel certain that they won't stand for it. But it's not true. Richard, did you think that you were the only one who could lay a plot? Did you think we'd do nothing? The King won't stand for it. If he doesn't, he'll no longer be the King. You have to learn, Your Majesty. There is only one party in this country, and we are it. Edward the Confessor was one of the greatest English kings. A good man. A holy man. Over the years, thousands have come to kneel at his tomb and ask his help and blessing. I don't know how many times I've knelt there myself. It's made no bloody difference at all. They've set me aside for their own ends. Every time I get up off my knees and try to rule, they knock me down, Anne. They will not see me as a man. What do I have to do to show them? Kill everybody and plunge the country into civil war? Very well, then. My love, you cannot. I am the king. I am the king. I am the... Oh, shh. You are the king. And you are the man I love and the man I know to be a good man. I'm no Edward Confessor. Of course not. You are a man with all a man's faults, but above all, above what you are, is what you want to be and what you hope for. Isn't that true? All my people are either exiled or dead. Paul, the most capable politician in the country, fled abroad from my enemies. I'm alone. You will never be alone as long as I live to stand by your side. We came together because of politics. We stay together because we found love. It's strange, you know, all of us Plantagenets, we, we have in us a great capacity for love. Perhaps also for hate, but time after time, marriages that were made in the courts of Europe have become like love stories and the romances. Perhaps that is our glory. Your glory will be to endure, Richard. For times change, but constancy remains. And the time will come when everything shall be different, and then you can act against those who stand in your way. For if I know one thing, it is that not one person on earth can hold back this world and our passage through it. The king is... I am prepared to defer to the Lord's appellant. 
to their wishes and the wishes of Parliament to be guided by their wholesome advice to their your advice without prejudice to the Crown. I only ask of Parliament that they, in their mercy, spare the life of Sir Simon Burley, my tutor and friend. What do you do? You, you take a tench and fillet him and fry him. And you make a layer of currants with wine and water. Then whole raisins of the sun and powdered ginger. Add some cloves, some pepper, and place them in the sauce and seethe them with sugar of cypress and salt and bring him forth. And they will trample it all and grind it into the dirt beneath their boots because, because... Because why? Because in the end it means nothing. It means everything, Richard. It means that we care about each thing, not just one thing. Not only about power and who wields it. Don't you see, my love? Power is the fire that sees the dish. Otherwise it's just raw stuff and unfit to eat. And now they've condemned Burley to death. And whatever I may say or hope or believe, without power it is nothing. Shh, without love it is nothing, my king. <laughs> Think of our Lord, a carpenter. Why, he might have been a sutler or a baker or a cook. Did he have armies and treaties? Did he have a, a mailed fist or vast lands or wealth and castles? Oh, he had none of these things, Richard. He was mocked and despised. He was whipped and crucified, and yet his words sound louder today than ever. Shh, it is his will that you are king. Blessed, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and tell all kinds of lies about you for his sake. Be glad, for your reward in heaven will be great. I, Simon Burley, to commend my soul to God. My allegiance was ever to the King, whom I served honestly and to the best of my ability. I call in witness the fact that the King and his Queen Anne begged upon their knees the Duke of Gloucester and the Lord's Appellant to exercise mercy. There was no mercy. So be it. I expect better of my Lord in heaven. It was, I thought, the worst that could happen. I was wrong. You remember the Black Death, half Europe cut down. We thought it was gone and forgotten, but it hadn't forgotten about us. He came walking by, that soft-stepping gentleman in black, and stretched out his hand and ripped my heart living from my chest. He took my Anne, my queen, my love, because death wanted it so. Sir, 
You cannot mean it. Please don't question me, Chancellor. It's a royal palace. It was her palace. Now she is dead. She doesn't need it anymore. Burn it. At least, sir, let us remove the goods, the, the hangings, the, the, the books alone. Do you disobey me? Do you, horse son of a bitch, dare to disobey me? Will every stone, every brick, every clod of earth in the land disobey me? I will have my way! Burn it! Weep, my heart, for I am crushed with care. We are but dust and shadows, our hopes and desire blind madness. And all our dreams will end in death. Your glory will be to endure, Richard. For if I know one thing, it is that not one person on earth can hold back this world and our passage through it. So I waited. Years. Years. Oh, things happened. We even moved towards peace with France. Ministers came and went, and little by little I began to take note. Who amongst them did I trust? Who amongst them did not trust Gloucester and his party? And like footsteps on stone stairs, time began to wear away at the bonds, as fragile as silk and strong as steel that held me. Finally, finally, I needed just one thing to place the key in that lock. And it was John of Gaunt who turned it. He came back. He's too powerful. Who? My brother Gloucester. Who else? Your son, Henry? You know, Henry. All fire and fire. He was one of them, uncle. The Lord's appellant. He was young. I was young. We were the same age. Time has passed. You've grown into the job. I've been watching you. Taking back what Gloucester and his council took away. As you built cathedrals, so you've rebuilt the monarchy. And now... Oh, I grieve for your loss. The Queen was a good woman. Do you care? I care about England. Can you believe that? I must admit I find it hard. I loved your father. He was my favourite brother. And I gave him my word I would support you. I didn't say I would always agree with you. I didn't say I would always like you, particularly when your idiot supporters convinced you I should be killed. I didn't say I wouldn't fight against you in council or parliament. I didn't say I'd like this, what do you call it, fashion. All these ridiculous colours and shoes you all wear at court. I didn't say I wouldn't go abroad to follow my own interests. But I did say I would stand by the legitimate king. And you are that man. Brother Gloucester is not. Does he think he is? I note that your majesty has been in Nottingham. Yes. Used to be the home of Lord de Vere. Yes. And that you raised a company of archers there from amongst his people. Yes. Loyal to you. Yes. And your court. Yes, they are loyal to me alone. But Gloucester and Warwick and the others are still powerful. As you know, Uncle, you are with them. They believe. But if I'm not? If you are not, I can move against them. The price? England and the throne secure. And, of course, Henry. Henry betrayed the oath of loyalty and he betrayed me. We were friends. 
The price? The price, Your Majesty. Very well. Henry is safe. The king would have a few words with the Duke of Gloucester. The king! Your Majesty! No need for ceremony, it's just a visit. At this hour? I was in the area, Uncle. I thought I'd see how you were. I heard you were ill. I am getting better, they tell me. But uh, let me call for wine, food, I'm sure... Nothing, thank you, my lord. Nothing? Oh, uh, there is this. A candle? Uh, no need, I can tell you. It's a warrant issued by Parliament for the arrest and trial of the appellant lords on charges of treason against the King. This is nonsense. It cannot be. I can assure you, it is. You'll never get away with it. I can assure you I did. I simply offered Parliament a better deal. I have allies, supporters. We will not allow... Uh, oh, I see. No mention of Henry Bolingbroke here. That, uh, Brother John, taken care of then. No point in looking for help there, I suppose. I suppose not. I never thought you had it in you, Richard. I must say, for the first time, you surprised me. Well, I must leave you now. I have other arrests to oversee. You'll be well cared for. Have no concerns about that. Cared for? Don't make me laugh. Then try this. You really must learn, Uncle. There is only one king in this country, and it's me. He never reached court. An unfortunate accident. The others were tried and condemned. And I, I ruled. And the court began, at last, to resemble something like a court. Music, learning, art and literature began to flourish in this country as they'd never been allowed to before. We were celebrated throughout Europe, and our great men wielded more than swords and battle axes. God, they say, grants all our wishes, but never quite as we want them. Anne had a saying, Man plan, God lacht. Man plans, God laughs. I had made what I wanted. The person I most wanted to share it with was no longer beside me. I was angry. I wanted to strike back at God, at them, at all of them who had always stopped me, who I believed had driven Anne to her death. There was no more laughter, no more jokes. And then it was as if God had given me what I wanted. You may sit. <laughs> My lords, gentlemen. We have this day heard the sad news of the death of John of Gaunt, our uncle and great mainstay. We shall not see his like again. We shall not, because I hereby disinherit his son, Henry Bolingbroke. He will not succeed to the titles, the land, or the revenues of his father. These will revert to the crown. Bolingbroke is declared outlaw on the grounds of his membership of the Lord's Appellant and numerous other grievous offences. If he should put one foot on English soil, 
It is the duty of every Englishman to arrest the traitor and bring him to justice before the courts. Thank you. Mistake. Big mistake. Never condemn a man as a traitor. When you haven't got his bollocks firmly in your fist. Hello, Richard. Hello, Henry. I could say what brings you back to England, but then I know, don't I? My throne. Why disinherit me? Why did you do it? I asked you that once, remember? When you were talking about Anne. <laughs> that was... The, it was the act of a boy strutting around with his codpiece sticking out for all to see. I was stupid, I admit it. But you're not stupid. You'd done it. Against all the odds, you'd made yourself the king. They loved you in France. Or if they didn't, they respected you. Or if they didn't, they hated you. You would have come back sooner or later. You promised my father I would be safe. I didn't spit in your eye. I was content to spend most of my time abroad. We could have lived together. But you had to take everything. Two boars in a thicket. Oh, is that it? You and I? No, it's not. It's... It's something else. It's, it's a boar and... And a... A child in a thicket. A child who's going to grow into a man. The, the old ways that try to stop the coming of the new. You see, Henry, in the end, a boar is only a boar, but a man is everything. It is the future. <laughs> I never did understand you. Even as children, there was something wrong. And I never understood that they wouldn't, couldn't, allow me to be a king. I, in the end, I... I was different, and we all know what the English do when they see something different, don't we, Henry? I'm not here as your executioner, Richard. I've talked to the Lords, to Parliament and the Council. If you restore my estates and surrender certain named advisers for trial and swear to rule by the consent of the Council, you may keep your throne. I can be king if I agree not to be king. It's a fair <laughs> offer, I think. Then I accept. Splendid. I'll get back to you. I'm sorry it had to come to this. It's a lie, isn't it? Of course it is. <laughs> Goodbye, Richard. They're not going to kill me. That might look bad. They're just going to let me fade away. Starve me. A suitable fate for a man who thought that food and how it was cooked and served mattered. You know, I think of a picture I caused to be made after Anne died. It's very small, on two panels of wood. It shows me being presented to the Virgin by three saints. On the outside is painted a white heart resting in a green meadow with rosemary, in memory of her. It's so beautiful. I hope it lasts forever. Your glory will be to endure, Richard. For if I know one thing, it is that not one person on earth can hold back this world and our passage through it. I think of columbine jelly and almond cream and pears. Pears in syrup 
and a march pane decorated with raised figures gilded with the thinnest of gold, and cherries preserved with barberry sugar, and honey and scented plums with cinnamon, dates and figs and saffron. In Plantagenet by Mike Walker, Patrick Kennedy was Richard II, Blake Ritson, Henry Bolingbroke, and Alex Tregear, Queen Anne. Other parts were played by Sean Baker, Jonathan Forbes, Claire Harry, James Laley, Stuart McLaughlin, Peter Polycarpu, Daniel Rabin, and Alan Raglan. Plantagenet is directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Drumgoole. In the next part, tomorrow, victory will bring peace to England and glory to the king, but at what cost to the man? This week on Radio 4 Extra, the businessman Stuart Rose nominates a navigator and cartographer for great life status, Matthew Flinders, who first mapped the coastline of Australia. We're talking here, aren't we, Nigel, about a place about as unknown and dangerous to reach in its time as the moon in ours. The, the quest to capture information about the newly discovered Terra Australis really is comparable to the exploration of outer space. Yes, it was a massive undertaking. Australia was months away from Britain by sea, and the size of Australia is just mind-boggling. And the task of actually charting that was, was phenomenal. That, that were, were a enormous physical dangers too. I think he lost a, a, a cutter, was it, with eight men Yes. at one point? Yes, I think fairly early on on the south coast uh, uh, they were out, I think, surveying and uh, the, the boat was about three miles back away from the investigator and uh, they saw it and sighted it. There was a heavy riptide. Uh, the boat disappeared and they never found anything apart from a few, an upturned boat, but no bodies. Uh, they were presumed all eaten by the sharks, of which there were plenty. But one of the things about that, I think, is it draws out another aspect of Flinders, which was his humanity. I think he was a very humane man, and I think he felt that loss personally. And he named islands around the area after the eight crew that were killed. Is it true that only two of those eight were actually able to swim anyway? Yes, but that wasn't unusual. Very few seamen actually knew how to swim. I mm. think I suppose they worked on the assumption that it was probably Always better to lost. die quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and there were problems with Aborigines? Um the meetings with Aborigines were, were varied, actually. It, you know, it was a two-sided thing. Some were very interested in, in seeing the seamen and others weren't. Others were scared, others were quite aggressive. So it, it varied a lot. But he actually took a, an Aborigine with him. Bongaree, was Bongaree, he? yes, who had sailed with Flinders 